What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm doing a solo pod today. No Zach. Zach can't make it today. It's all good. It was a good run, Zach. Uh, hopefully, you'll be back on the podcast soon. Just kidding. He'll be back soon. He'll definitely be back soon. So, I wanted to go over a lot of your questions. Fantasy season is coming up. It's going to be here before we know it. Just a couple more weeks left. Um, I know a lot of you guys have drafted already. We've been putting out the draft content so I just wanted to make sure that I'm addressing everybody's, you know, concerns, everyone's questions, you know, what everyone has on their mind right now. So, you know, I did put up my a story on Instagram asking you guys to put in some questions. So I appreciate that. I got a shit ton of questions from you guys. So I'm actually going to go, you know, somewhat rapid fire. Usually we take our time with these questions, but I know I got so many questions that I, I literally just pulled up my Instagram. I'm going to be going over these questions uh, you know, relatively quickly. Okay. Um, but yeah, this is going to be off the cuff and you know, we're just going to get right to it. All right. Um, now there were a couple of things I wanted to go over before I get into the questions. A little bit of a rapid recap. Um, Michael Gallup, it looks like he's going to be avoiding the pup according to, uh, Jerry Jones. This is a good sign. He might not make it back for week one, he, but he's not going to miss four games. Most likely not going to miss four games. Otherwise, they would have put him on the pup. So Noah Brown is playing ahead of Jalen Tolbert right now. Uh, in week one, I would assume that Jalen Tolbert will be on the field in 11 personnel and three wide receiver sets. Uh, but for now, uh, you know, it, I would assume that Michael Gallup is going to be back on the field uh, you know, by week two, week three. And if that's the case, now, I, I don't know if he's going to get you know 100% of snaps and you know, have 100% route participation, so we'll see some rotation there. Uh, but it doesn't seem like Jalen Tolbert is as locked in uh, as a starter as we thought earlier in the year. I would have assumed that he was going to beat Noah Brown pretty easily, but that doesn't seem to be the case so far. Another report, talking about Michael Carter still being the RB1. This is from Rich Cimini, uh longtime beat reporter of the Jets. Now, listen... Brees Hall, I know Brees Hall hasn't shown anything in this preseason, but I'm not worried about that. That We cannot overreact to him not doing his thing in preseason, okay? He didn't get that many touches. The Jets, you know, they might not be showing their best run plays during the preseason. Not worried about it. The other thing that has been floating around is that the Jets don't have a good offensive line. Like, the reports have been that the Jets have, have a bad offensive line, and that's just, that can't be further than the truth. Last year, their offensive line was middle of the pack, okay? And they've actually improved on that offensive line this year, even with even with uh, Mekhi Becton getting hurt, right, and him, you know, missing the year. I'm not worried about it. This is an offensive line that's going to be good. This is an outside zone run scheme that fits Brees Hall perfectly. We are not going to see Michael Carter be the RB1 on this team. I'm buying the dip, okay? Uh, the same reports that are talking about Brees... Brees Hall not being the one, uh, the same reports saying that the Jets don't have a good offensive line. So this is one of those reports where I'm not buying it, okay? Brees Hall, I can totally see this being a 50-50 split week one, but eventually Brees Hall is going to be the guy who's going to be on the field for at least 60 to 65% of snaps, and that's really all he needs, and he's going to be involved in the passing game. So I'm buying the dip. I'm hoping that Brees Hall can fall to the end of the fourth, early fifth round if you're, uh, if you're still drafting. Uh, and if that's the case, I am buying that all day long. We just don't see explosive rookie three-down running backs being drafted that late. And whenever that's the case, I'm taking my shot every single time. Okay. Um, 
Darren Waller, he's in jeopardy to miss week one with a hamstring injury. Um, you know, he's had this injury for several weeks now. Um, and, you know, it, he's he's at risk of not playing week one. I, I wouldn't assume that he'll be back in week two. Okay. Um, Josh McDaniels was noncommittal in terms of him saying whether he will be ready for week one. A little bit of a risk right now with him. Soft tissue injury for a, couple, a few weeks. Um, a little bit of a risky pick at this point. I haven't been targeting him a ton uh, in drafts, you know, where he's going, because I do like the running backs and wide receivers, you know, where he's at. Uh, but for the most part, I'm avoiding, you know, the hamstring injury. You know, I don't really avoid players because of it, but because of the fact that I wasn't really, you know, targeting him anyway, you know, his target share is really up in the air. Now, I do think he can be more efficient when healthy with Devonta Adams on the field, just because, you know, he was getting, uh, he was getting covered last year, you know, when he was on the field and he was banged up. So, not a great sample size for him last year, um, but I am not really excited about Darren Waller uh, and where he's at in his recovery right now. Daryl Williams might be a cut or trade candidate, which is a little bit of a surprising re- uh, report out of Arizona. Um, you know, initially earlier this offseason, Daryl Williams was pegged to be, you know, the the three-down handcuff potentially to James Conner. And I remember people talking about, Daryl Williams potentially being the guy on passing downs on, <laughs> you know, like taking James Conner off the field. Come on, guys. James Conner was extremely efficient last year uh, when Chase Edmonds was out. He was he averaged five catches per game. Everyone's talking about him potentially having a touchdown regression. I'm not worried about that at all. Um, because if you're catching five uh, passes a game, you're officially not touchdown dependent. So even if those touchdowns do go down, it's okay because he still has a high floor. Um, now, this does boost up Eno Benjamin, who has looked good this in camp, has looked good uh, in preseason. So I think he's in a situation where he can rotate in a little bit with, with James Conner. Now, I think James Conner will still get, you know, at least 65 to 70% of snaps with uh, Eno Benjamin coming in to spell him. But if James Conner, you know, he, did, he does have a little bit of an extensive injury history. If he were to go down, it looks like Eno Benjamin... Uh, is going to be that dude to replace him. And he's a guy who's also capable on all three downs. He's a smaller back, obviously. Um, but at the same time, you know, we saw Chase Edmonds do his thing last year. Um, and if James Conner were, were to go down, I think, you know, he would at least command 60 to 65% of snaps. And that would that would mean that he would be a top 20 back at the very least. Mike Gusecki can potentially be a trade candidate. Now, Mike Gusecki does not fit this offense, and that has been apparent this offseason. He's not a good blocker, and in Mike McDaniel's system coming over from San Francisco, your tight need to be good blockers. Um, So Gusecki has been rotating in and out, you know, not like last year where he was running near 100% route participation. That's not going to happen this year, even if he's on the team and he doesn't get traded. Um, So he's somebody who should be off your draft list. He's not going to contribute. This is going to be the Tyreek and Jalen Waddle show, uh, you know, on, you know, and also a little bit of Chase Edmonds too in the passing game. So uh, Mike Gusecki is a full avoid right now. Uh, ESPN's Paul Gutierrez uh, believes Josh Jacobs will be in a committee with Amir Abdullah, Zemir White, and Brandon Bolden. And this is kind of in line with what uh, I was talking about, you know, over the last week. Even with the, them cutting Kenyon Drake, this doesn't really affect Josh Jacobs because he was going to get the same workload regardless. Kenyon Drake wasn't going to come in and command carries on early downs, right? 
uh, early down, the early down guys are Josh Jacobs and Zamir White. They will be rotating on early downs. Obviously, Jacobs will be the 1A there. Amir Abdullah is the primary pass catcher, and Brandon Bolden is the secondary pass catcher. So they have these roles quite lined up right now uh, pretty easily. Think of what they were doing in New England when Mike McDaniels was there, right? They had uh, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson as the 1A and the 1B, right? Before that, they had Sony Michelle and Damian Harris, right? This is the kind of situation that they've been always in, right? James White, Brandon Bolden, they, they've always had these guys, right, on their team. So it's a similar system uh, that he's bringing over here. So I, I'm off of Josh Jacobs. I've been off of him. Uh, listen, he does have touchdown upside every single week. There's no doubt about it. But uh, th- this is going to be a situation where he's touchdown or bust. I don't see a situation where he's getting 20 carries a game. I don't. ESPN's Jameson Hensley speculates that Mike Davis could get the most carries early on in the season. Now, Gus Edwards uh, has been placed on the pup, so that means he's going to miss at least the first four games. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is seems like he's on track to play in week one. Uh, but Mike Davis, you know, people, everyone's assuming that J.K. Dobbins was just, you know, going to get the lion's share of the carries. No, he's coming off the ACL injury, right? And this report also lines up with what I've been talking about all offseason, that Mike Davis is going to be involved if Gus Edwards gets hurt. There's potentially going to be a cap on J.K. Dobbins' uh, workload this year. He's not involved in the passing game, blah, 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 blah. I've been saying this all, all offseason long. I don't want to keep repeating myself, but Mike Davis could potentially be playing that Gus Edwards role as we know it early on in the year. ESPN's Michael DiRocco believes that Travis Etienne will lead the Jaguars' backfield out of the gate regardless of James Robinson's status. Um, <laughs> and I hate to beat a dead horse here, but this is also kind of in line with what I've been saying all offseason. Travis Etienne is going to be that dude, right? James Robinson could potentially spell Travis Etienne on early downs, and I think the cap on James Robinson's workload is probably 10 to 12 carries a game. I kind of equated it to the James Ro- I'm sorry, the... Uh, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams situation last year, where Jamal was getting 10 to 12 carries a game, uh, you know, had some had a, a, a decent role on early downs, but DeAndre Swift was the guy getting on the field for 65% of snaps uh, and, you know, was very involved in the receiving game. That's kind of how I view Travis Etienne, you know, potentially 15 carries a game with, you know, four or five targets a game, which is going to be, if that happens, that's going to be one of the, you know, higher workloads in the NFL for these running backs. That's what you want. Four or five targets a game is going to do wonders for his fantasy value, especially in half PPR and full PPR leagues. Damian Harris left practice with an injury, uh, so keep that in mind. You know, Reports are it's possible that the Patriots use the other healthy primary back as close to a three-down back as we've ever seen. And this is more relative to Ramondre Stevenson because – you know, they've never shown confidence that Damian Harris would be, you know, somebody that they use on passing downs or uh, in the passing game in general. But they've shown that from the get with Ramondre starting in his rookie year. And on top of that, Belichick is talking about him improving in that in that uh, aspect of his game this year. So Ramondre Stevenson is somebody that I am very high on. I want to draft him in every single draft that I do because it's just way too much upside here. If he has a role on early downs, if he's getting targeted in the passing game, if he's going to have a role on the goal line because there's no clear goal line back here, Damian Harris might not be the you know the goal line back every single time. Ramondre has a lot of upside. He really does. And if Damian Harris goes down, it's a wrap. That's a wrap. Ramondre has RB1 upside for sure. Okay, let's get into the questions. 
just gonna go ahead and and, and you know c kind of rapid fire these uh, as they came in. I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, submitting, submitting all these questions. Uh, first question: Call me Tom underscore Lando. Is there any two players from the same team that you draft? Maybe rounds one through five. The first the first duo that comes to mind is uh, Michael Pittman, right? And Jonathan Taylor. You draft Jonathan Taylor 101 or 102. And then you're at the 3-4 turn and you're like, Michael Pittman's sitting there. Love Michael Pittman this year, as I do. But, you know, am I limiting my upside a little bit? You know, in this case, you know, I think it's okay. But at the same time, you, you are limiting your overall weekly upside. Because... You know, what are the chances that these two guys both go off in the same week? It, it probably, it isn't too likely. Now, these guys are potentially both studs, right? I am, I am, you know, pegging Michael Pittman to be a top 10 wide receiver this year. I think I have him at wide receiver 7 or wide receiver 8. So, I do, I'm pegging him to kill it this year, right? And obviously, Jonathan Taylor, most likely, going to kill it this year. So, most likely, this duo is going to be fine, you know. Uh, I don't, I'm not a fan of... Of doing of having the, doing the strategy, but however, I'm not going to uh, pass on Michael Pittman at the three four turn for a wide receiver that I don't like as much. But you know, if T Higgins sitting there, you know, I might want to do that, right? Because I have T Higgins maybe like you know a spot or two below him. Uh, if Mike Evans is sitting there, I might want to grab him instead, right? Just to kind of you know uh, increase my upside a little bit on, on a weekly basis, right? There's a higher chance that that Mike Evans scores two touchdowns. And Jonathan Taylor scores two touchdowns, you know, in any given week, opposed to Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor doing that. Make sense? And then, and then I just mentioned T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase, right? Um, I probably won't be doing that, right? Even though it's a great offense to to put all your, all your eggs in, into that basket, I'm not – I don't want to do that just because, like, what if Joe Burrow gets hurt, right? What if – you know, if either of these guys get hurt, you're kind of hamstringing yourself. Um, so – I like to be. I like to diversify uh, my teams whenever I can. In terms of stacks, go. I don't really care about stacks in season long leagues. I only care about stacks uh, in tournaments and DFS. Fiesta underscore Alado, take on Brian Robinson on being an RB three. So RB three meaning a top thirty six running back. Uh, I can I can see it. I mean I can see it if he if he is the primary goal line back and the only goal line back. Um, but he's going to be super touchdown dependent. Antonio Gibson's going to be involved. J.D. McKissick's going to be the guy, you know, catching passes and, and being on the field on passing downs, two-minute situations, that sort of thing. Uh, so I'm not, like, overly excited, you know, for with Brian Robinson unless, you know, Antonio Gibson were to get hurt. So I'm not really targeting him that much because what's the upside for, for, for uh, Brian Robinson, right? Even if Gibson does get hurt, he's going to be the plotter on early downs. You know, we don't know how good this offense is going to be, you know. And I'm not sold on Brian Robinson's talent either. So, he'll, he'll, I think he can be solid, a solid back, a solid early down back in this league. Really, really good short yardage back, which is why I think he'll be the goal line guy. Um, but I, I think Gibson's going to be involved. You know, I, I understand all of his struggles this offseason. Uh, even if Brian Robinson becomes the 1A here, I just don't know that he's going to be too startable this year, even as a flex. Uh, he he can be a, des a desperate one that you you know kind of pray for a touchdown or two, but I'm not really buying, to be honest. All right, uh, are there any wide receiver duos you take? Uh, we just answered that one. Thanks for the question for TXM underscore NWK. Um, you know he asked specifically about Chase and Higgins. We talked about that, but Sutton and Judy, again, 
you know, this is even one that's even more risky, right? Because we don't know what Jerry Judy is going to do, right? Cortland Sutton coming off the ACL too. Like, listen, I'm a big Cortland Sutton guy this year, um, and I think Jerry Judy is going to be a, a, is a decent pick as well. But I, you know, we haven't seen this offense yet, right? We haven't seen them do their thing yet. So, you know, to kind of put all your eggs in that basket, you know, on a, you know, on an offense that we're projecting to do really well, but we haven't seen it yet. So. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And and I think where Judy is going, there are a bunch of other good wide receivers being taken. So I wouldn't I wouldn't go out of my way to try to do that. Johnny underscore Barnett, thoughts about taking two quarterbacks in the first two rounds of a Superflex redraft. Yeah, I am I'm, I'm all about it. You know, you know, every every Superflex draft is different in terms of when these quarterback runs are being taken. First round, I almost always want to grab a quarterback, especially if I'm early. In the round, like if I have a top five pick, right, I'm not going to pass on, you know, you know, guys like Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, obviously the 101 there, uh, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, you know, th- these six guys right here. So I mean, I'll say it again. So Josh Allen, uh, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, uh, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts, those six guys. I'm not taking any wide receiver or running back uh, before those six guys. Um, you know, CMC is debatable over Herbert and Mahomes for me. Uh, but I feel like the other quarterbacks had that extreme, you know, rushing upside, that touchdown upside, rushing touchdown upside. I, I really want to get those guys on my roster and just have that positional advantage. Because in Superflex leagues, the quarterbacks are limited. So positional advantage really, really comes into play. In Superflex, opposed to in one QB leagues, it, it doesn't matter as much um, unless you have that high-end quarterback. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, I might be taking CMC, you know, early on after these guys are off the board. But depends on the QB run, right? I, I, I'm, I'm really not about getting, like, a, a stud and and maybe, like, a, a low-end quarterback as my Superflex. I want to just go in. I want to go in because... We're talking about positional advantage, right? If your QB2 is that much better than the other person's QB2, you have a huge advantage there, right? Because you might have a ceiling of 25 points, uh, and we're talking four-point passing touchdowns here. You might have a ceiling of 25 points for your quarterback two. Meanwhile, the other guy has Davis Mills. Now, I do think Davis Mills can potentially do some things this year, but for the sake of the argument, Davis Mills' ceiling might be 20, right? And in any, any given week, he might have like give you like 17 points. Meanwhile, your other quarterback just gave you 25. That's a That's a pretty nice delta there that's a serious um that's a serious advantage right so as your quarterback too you might end up with Matthew Stafford right you might end up with guys like uh you know Russell Wilson Dak Prescott these guys are going around the turn most likely um but you might end up with like Tom Brady uh you might end up with Derek Carr as your QB2 I'm okay with it um but you know and Kirk Cousins it, it depends on your league and how you think it goes um it's possible that you can get the guys I just mentioned in the third round um, you know, after getting your stud running back or your stud wide receiver early. Like, I might want to get a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson or a Cooper Cup in the second round before I get these middling quarterbacks like Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins who, you know, are very solid QB2s you could potentially get in the, in the third round. So, you know, you kind of have to gauge it depending on your league, um, you know, and, and you kind of have to pay attention to how these runs are going. And you, I, I just, if the runs are going fast, I don't necessarily want to lose out on quarterback unless there is some serious serious value dropping to you like a Justin Jefferson or a Cooper Cup or Jonathan Taylor, you know, or a Dalvin Cook or or a Austin Eckler in a full PPR league. 
Okay. Uh, Christian.SEMI, thoughts on Carter being named as a Jets running back starter. Uh, we talked about that earlier. Diamond Dior is asking, uh, I'm sorry, Demond Dior is asking, how happy would you be with CD with Sutton and Robinson? So, CD Lamb, Corlin Sutton, and Allen Robinson as your wide receiver trio. I would be ecstatic. I love that trio right there. Um, I'll, I'll be I'll be golden. I'll be roster baiting the whole way home after doing that draft. To be honest, Jake underscore Burdock is asking: Is DeAndre Swift a good pick at twelve in PPR? I do think he's a good pick at the turn. He's always one of my main targets at the turn. There, um, DeAndre Swift has upside to hit eighty receptions this year at the very least, uh, and he has the upside to hit a hundred. He's that type of player. You know, from weeks one through whenever he got hurt, he was the top five running back, okay, in fantasy. So, and he was on he was on pace to lead the entire lead all running backs in targets and receptions. So, uh, you know, him and Fournette were up there, but Fournette wasn't nearly as efficient as DeAndre Swift was uh, in the receiving game. Chris Culture is asking, do you think Cordell Patterson will do good this season, or you know, will it, what will his workload look like now? One one positive for Patterson this preseason is that they're resting him. You know, he's their clear one right now. And then the clear and there is no clear two. There is none. Like all of these guys are just like mishmashing against each other and Tyler Algier isn't anywhere close to being the two at this point. Uh and he's been coming on the field after a bunch of other running backs. So seems to me like Cordell Patterson is the guy. And, you know, can he prove to be a steal at his ADP given what he was doing last year? Yeah, he can. However, I don't usually like to bet on outliers. You know, they do have Kyle Pitts and Drake London now. You know, how much will they be dependent on Cordell Patterson? Will he be their goal line guy? There's a lot of questions here. His role isn't, you know, isn't clear. Um, but listen, if you're in a pinch at running back and you're near the 8th, ninth round and he's still available, 10th round I've seen at, at some point too, especially in PPR leagues, sure, take the shot on him just because... You know, if you only have one or two running backs and you've been loading up on tight end and wide receiver for whatever reason, you know, you have a couple flexes, you have three wide receiver s- slots, um, and you need a running back, a third running back, yeah, I think at that point I, w- I would do that. But I'm not going out of my way to take Cordell Patterson this year. Keenan Ramsey's asking, can you rank these guys for me? Mike Evans, DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, Mike Williams. Uh, right now, I have Mike Evans and, and Pittman right at like right next to each other at like I think seven and eight in my wide receiver rankings. They're super close. They're going. I'm, I'm going back and forth between those, those two guys, but I do lean Pittman, uh, especially considering where he's going in drafts. You know, around that three four turn, like sometimes even closer to the middle of the fourth. Sometimes um, after that, I have DJ Moore, and after that, I have Mike Williams. I do think Mike Williams has a higher weekly ceiling than DJ Moore, but I think that DJ Moore is the higher like higher likelihood of him getting 150, 160 targets this year like he did last year. Uh, and he has a quarterback upgrade. So I'd rather have DJ Moore than Mike Williams this year, even though Mike Williams does have that weekly, uh, you know, ridiculous, like, two-touchdown, 150-yard ceiling. <laughs> Nathan underscore uh, Tuninga is asking, can you please try to drop the stock of Keenan Allen and Kyle Pitts? Thank you. Uh, I, I wish I had that type of power, Nathan. Uh, I really don't. Sorry about that. My name is Gabe is asking, are you buying Traylon Burks to be top three in terms of rookie wide receiver production? Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, he's off to a slow start. Um, I, you know, if I had to guess, you know, I'd rather go with these other guys like, you know, Chris Olave, 
you know, at this point, Romeo Doves might have a better shot at outproducing him. Uh, but no, I'm not, I'm not betting on it. You know, I think he can potentially be good in his career. I wasn't high on him coming into the year. He was, he was still a top five rookie wide receiver for me. Um, you know, coming into this, coming into the draft, I mean, like in terms of being a prospect. But no, I don't think he'll be top three uh, in in production. I think there are other guys like you know Chris Olave and Drake London and even Garrett Wilson. Even though he didn't, hasn't cracked the top three start, starters yet, you know he's you know he's been looking good still. You know, um, so yeah, I, I'm not buying it right now, and I'm not really. Depends on where he falls in drafts, Traylon Burks, for me to take him. But as of right now, where he's going. I'm not really interested in redraft. Bowie underscore JKU. Is Kenneth Walker worth trading for in a dynasty league? Um, I think so. I wouldn't give up a 2023 first or anything like that. Um, but I can see you giving up a 2022 first if you haven't done your rookie draft yet. Now, you got to keep in mind with Kenneth Walker, he doesn't profile as a three-down back. So... You know, he hasn't had that role in college. So you got to have to make sure that, you know, you, you have to understand that there, it is very possible that he just ends up being an early down guy. Now, he's really, really good on early downs, you know. But if somebody's down on him right now because, you know, he had the hernia surgery, you know, a lot of a lot of unknown, people not, people worried about Rashad Penny, all of that. But he's probably the future there in Seattle. And I, we know that Pete Carroll likes to run the ball. Who knows how, Pete, how long Pete Carroll will be there, you know. But, you know, it's very possible that, after this season, it's all Kenneth Walker on early downs, and you know Pete Carroll has talked about him, you know, being, catching balls and stuff like that. But I, I don't, I don't necessarily buy that, uh, just because we haven't seen it yet in his career, uh, especially in college. But yeah, I, I, I can see myself trading for him, but just don't, don't overpay. J underscore J Talk Hockey asks, do you think Austin Hooper can have a top eight finish? Uh, I think it's very possible. I think he has a chance of leading that team in targets, right? Robert Woods is there right now. He's the other guy who will potentially lead that team in targets. But then Austin Hooper's right there. You know, I, I, I think that he's being underrated. He could potentially, you know, be running near a full route participation. And if that's the case, you know, like where he was last year, he was rotating, right? And, you know, a lot of t- the, the tight ends on this offense were historically rotating uh, on pass and down. So it lo- doesn't look like Austin Hooper is going to be rotating at this point uh, based on what we've seen in preseason so far. So Austin Hooper can easily finish as a top eight guy, you know, among all the tight ends who are going super, super late in drafts. MJ Walters is asking, Ayuk or Smitty? So basically he's asking Brandon Ayuk or Devontae Smith. Um, I- I'm going with Brandon Ayuk. I think... It seems that A.J. Brown is, like, the guy right now for Jalen Hurts. And, I, I, you know, it's funny because, you know, everyone was talking about that offense potentially being a run-heavy one. We could potentially see them do what they did early on, like the first six weeks of the season last year where they were just ridiculously pass-heavy. And in the preseason game, this past preseason game, I think they had, like, 12 straight passes, <laughs> pass plays or something like that uh, with the first team. Um, but I, here, with, with this scenario, I'd rather go Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk has been tearing it up in camp. Um, I think Devontae Smith is going to be great, but Brandon Ayuk will likely be used in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, with Kyle Shanahan, he's been he, he, he's the one over Debo who's been showing that rapport with Trey Lance. And, you know, it seems like he took a big step forward between year two and year three. And he already was showing those signs his rookie year, and then he was showing those signs once he got that full-time role once again uh, in week, uh, in, in year two, uh, towards the second half of the year. So I'm, I'm choosing Ayuk over Devontae Smith. Uh, Devontae Smith, you know, he's going to be great. You know, he's a good prospect. You know, he, he had a great rookie year. 
but I think touchdown upside, you know, leans towards Ayuk, uh, and I think Ayuk is just prime for a third-year breakout. All right, Saquon, Bobby underscore Win is asking, Saquon, Kamara, or Aaron Jones? These guys are pretty close. I think Saquon and Kamara, for me, are a lot closer, you know, kind of in one tier, and then Aaron Jones kind of follows that tier. Um, I mentioned, I talked about Aaron Jones, you know, early on in the year, and him potentially having this 80-catch upside. Uh, I don't necessarily think that anymore. I think Saquon and Kamara, you know, they've proven that they have that in them. They've done that in their careers. Aaron Jones has not. Uh, he's capped that at about 50, right? And I understand that without Devontae Adams that, you know, there's a lot of targets available and Aaron Jones should be very involved in the passing game. However, the more I looked into it over the offseason, especially over the last few weeks, I do believe that A.J. Dillon uh, is going to be a big factor in, in, in the run game, uh, even in the passing game as well. Obviously, Aaron Jones is the guy who's going to be targeted intermediate and, and deep. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers loves to target him and he's going to be extremely efficient. But I don't think that he has that 80 catch upside in him, uh, you know, or at least it's not a good bet to bet on a guy, you know, who's been in the league for this long and hasn't, you know, been that, you know, involved in the passing game, right? Because if they really wanted to involve in the passing game that much, they would have already, like they've already done so with guys like Alvin Kamara and Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey and DeAndre Swift, right? These guys are weapons in the passing game and the team knows that and they've utilized them to, to their fullest, right? So it's, it's a, a bit of a question mark whether Aaron Jones can hit that. Um, so, you know, to answer this question, I think I have Saquon number one, Kamara number two, and Aaron Jones number three. Uh, Kamara might be over Saquon, you know, if he didn't have that potential suspension. Obviously, there isn't a huge chance that he gets suspended this year anymore, but he's always going to have that looming, right? You always wonder, right? And, like, what if he gets suspended later on in the year, right? And, like, and you're, he's missing playoff games for you right fantasy playoff games you, you, you don't want that and there's always a chance for there's always a chance for something like that so uh saquon i think is just, just a better bet you know he's somebody who could potentially hit 400 touches this year uh he has that 80 catch ceiling uh on top you, you know despite him being on a bad offense i'm not worried about it i think he's gonna get his touches and he's a great athlete coming off the acl uh, a year removed off that acl rather um so yeah i'm, I'm all in on saquon this year where he's going in drafts uh, Daniel underscore Little is asking, uh, is KJ Osborne worth a look? Um, I think in deeper leagues he is. I think he's going to be on the field uh, way more than he was last year. Uh, you know, they're bringing in that that system from the Rams. They're going to be in 11 personnel a ton. They're going to be in three wide receiver sets a ton. You know, compared to last year, they, they hardly were doing that, right? And KJ Osborne was really only seeing the field here and there when they ran 11 personnel you know the small amount of times that they did or if he had to if he had to rotate in or if Adam Thielen got hurt uh he would be on the field but he's going to be the primary slot guy Justin Jefferson is going to be rotating the slot a ton too but Osborne's going to be on the field and he's going to have his games um and I would expect more uh big games from him than he's had in the past so yes he is worth a look maybe 14 team leagues, you know, is kind of where I have him pegged. But in a 12-team league, I'm not really overly excited about him. There are some other guys I'd rather have because at the end of the day, he's probably going to be the third or fourth option uh, in this passing game. All right, let's see. Um, Semenza23 is asking, who's your second-round target if you have number five overall and you take Najee in the first? Well, if I take Najee in the first with my number five pick, I'm, I'm kind of 
not shooting for upside here. You're really shooting for safety if you're taking Najee at number five, you know, over all those high upside wide receivers and over guys like Cook and 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 Eckler. Okay, I do think all those guys have more upside than Najee this year, despite the fact that Najee has a really good role. Um, but the offense might not be great this year. And he's had he had the most touches last year among all running backs, and he still finished as the RB seven or RB eight in, in fantasy points per game. Not great. Not great. Not not really an efficient player. However, he's very safe. Okay. Um, so I would definitely be shooting for upside, you know, with, you know, in my second pick. I'll probably go with someone like Saquon, you know, somebody like Al- Alvin Kamara if he's available. Those are the guys I'm looking at. C.D. Lamb maybe, you know, uh, you know, in the middle of the second round. Those are guys I'm looking at. Now, advice for a 14-team draft, uh, Seth Miller, 89. You know, he, you know, in a 14-teamer, like, it depends on your roster, right? And three, when you have three wide receivers and whether you have, you know, a flex or two, that sort of thing. Um, you know, it really depends on what the roster construction looks like. But in a 14-teamer, I'm trying to get as many studs as I can. Um, and I'm always shooting for upside. Because in a 14-team draft, like, you know, you, these high-floor players aren't going to get it done for you, right? Just shoot for upside every single round. You know, and this is similar advice that I, I give for 12-team leagues too, but in a 14-team league, you really have to stand out, right? You need to have those big games from guys. So I'm not looking for high floors. I'm looking for high ceilings. All you need is, you know, a few of these guys to hit, you know, every single week, and, and you're probably in being good shape. Now, don't go like these boom-bust guys, you know, but there are a lot of players that have a lot more upside than, you know, than... You know, there's a lot of high floor guys that you can pick, but might as well go with with these high ceiling guys who can win you weeks. Uh, in 14 team leagues, I'm going for it. I'm not. I'm not messing around. It's a lot harder to win uh, in 14 team leagues. All right, let's move on to the next question. I think this is going to be our last question, so I'm looking for a good one. This is a good one here. Original underscore Hayes is asking, who do you think has a higher upside this year, AJ Brown or Corlin Sutton? It's a great question. Love this question. I think it's AJ Brown, and you guys must you guys might be a little bit surprised by this because I am super high on Cortland Sutton this year, but I think Cortland Sutton is just you know a little bit uh you know of a of a safer pick, but AJ Brown has the overall wide receiver one upside, and it looks like him and Jalen Hurts have an extremely great connection right now, and I do think that this offense is going to be a lot more pass heavy than people think, and AJ Brown was on an offense that didn't pass a whole lot right in Tennessee, and now he's on one that's probably going to pass more. But I think a lot of people aren't realizing that. A.J. Brown, um, his weekly upside is is ridiculous. Um, he's been the best player at camp. Um, and these guys have, have, have created a rapport. And he's out to prove something, you know. He's been one of the most efficient receivers since he's entered the league. Uh, he's been, near. He's been I think, top five or top six in yards per route run each of his three years in the NFL. And I want this guy <laughs> to be the wide receiver one. I really do. Because, he, you know, he's, he's being doubted. And he's been being, he's been doubted over the last you know year or two, uh, especially after last year, especially after he got traded. People thought that you know this this offense was going to be too crowded for him. They, they thought that Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard were too crowded. We're, we're making this team too crowded. No, no, no. AJ Brown's the, the wide receiver one. Uh, you know he has a shot at getting 150, 160 targets this year. So yeah, he has a ton of upside. Even though I love Cortland Sutton this year, I don't think he has the upside that AJ Brown does. All right, guys, listen. Uh, this was a great solo pod. I hope I hope I was able to answer you know some of these questions. I hope that some of these questions helped you guys as well, not just the person who asked it. So appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will be back uh, on Tuesday with a week three. 
preseason review. I'll see you guys then. Take it easy. See ya.